I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to continue our series talking about Simply Devoted. We began a series, um, I think this is the third message now in the series, called Simply Devoted. And we're talking about being devoted to God. And we began that, this series, with the message, The Enemy of Devotion. And last week we talked about the secret of simplicity. This week I want to talk to you about the fear of devotion. The thief, pardon me. I just told you what the thief was. <laughs> just disregard what I just said. And later in the message, I'm going to really give you a good, uh, I'll tell you what the thief is, but you don't know what it is yet. The thief of devotion is fear. Let's go ahead and get it out now. I don't, I don't doubt that you want to be fully devoted to God. I don't doubt that at all. But what I want you to know is that as much as you try to be fully devoted to God, there is a thief that can steal your devotion. And that's fear. And if you you allow fear to stay in your life, it will slowly and surely steal your devotion to God. That's, That's what I want to share with you. Now, we read when we started in Genesis 3. Because Paul said, I'm afraid, in 2 Corinthians 11, where we started a few weeks ago, Paul said, I'm afraid that in the same way that Satan deceived Adam and Eve, he'll deceive you. So we went back and saw how Satan deceived Adam and Eve. Do you remember that? Okay. I want us to read on and see what happened after they fell. And I want you to think about, just for a moment, maybe you've never thought about it this way, and that is how God felt that day. When every day he would walk through the garden at a certain time, and get to talk with Adam and Eve, and on this day, they were hiding from him. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, but I want you to think about how brokenhearted he was that day. So Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, something they normally be excited about. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Can, do you catch how sad this is? Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. The first response to sin was fear. The first negative emotion that a man and a woman ever felt when they sinned was fear. And they became, in an unrighteous way, afraid of God. In an unrighteous, unholy way, they became afraid of God. Now, I want to tell you something about fear. Listen very carefully to me. What you you probably maybe never thought about this. I was sharing this with Debbie this past week. She said, I gotta I gotta just think about that for a while because I've never thought about it that way. What you fear the most is what you will be devoted to the most. Whatever you fear the most is what you will serve, what you will worship, and what you will be committed to. And I have to say this there is a good fear. There is a righteous fear. The two of the commands that are two of the greatest commands in the Bible almost seem contradictory, but you have to understand there's a good fear and a bad fear to understand this. One is fear God. 
As a matter of fact, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's talking about honoring God, respecting God, loving God, serving God. That's the good fear. But the other command that is actually even more in the Bible, and it's the number one command in the Bible, is do not fear. Don't fear. Fear not. How many times did Jesus have to say to the disciples, don't fear, fear not? How many times when an angel showed up to give a good word from God was the first thing the angel said, don't fear? Why? Because when sin came into the world, unrighteous, unholy fear came in the world too. And Adam and Eve, listen to this, they feared, they feared in the wrong way, so much so that their fear overtook them. And when God came to meet with them and talk to them, they hid from the presence of God. They had no reason to fear God in the wrong way. But whatever you fear the most is what you'll be devoted to the most. That's why I said that we need to understand that fear is the thief of devotion. When fear comes in, it will totally, totally steal your devotion for God. Now, there's three kinds of fear. All fears trace back to these three fears. And I'm going to give you the three major fears today, and we're going to talk about how to get free from them, all right? Here's the first fear, the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection. The fear of rejection is the greatest fear that every person has. It's the greatest fear. And this is why. Notice it's the first fear that Adam and Eve had. When they sinned, they were afraid that God would reject them, and so they hid from God. They hid from the presence of God. The reason that your greatest fear is rejection is because your greatest need is love. Your greatest need is acceptance. Let me say it this way. We were created by love to love and be loved. We were created by love. God is love. We were created by God. Everyone follow me? We were created by God and God is love. So we were created by love to love and be loved. So the greatest need that all of us have is to be loved. That's why rejection is our greatest fear. And now, let's go back and think about this. Whatever you fear the most is what you'll be devoted to the most. If you fear rejection, you're completely devoted to acceptance. Everything that you do, every time you meet someone new, every time someone asks you a question, you wonder how to say it the right way so that the person won't reject you. You don't just say what you think many times because they might reject you then. And so you're trying to word it and trying to do everything you can to save what could be a bad moment in your mind that you might be rejected by someone. The reason we fear rejection is because the greatest need that we have is acceptance. The greatest need that we have is love. And so when rejection comes in, immediately, if you have the fear of rejection working in your life, and all of us do to some degree, if we have the fear of rejection, that steals our devotion to God because all of a sudden, rather than being devoted, completely devoted to serving God and loving God, we're completely devoted to getting acceptance from people. This is the way I was uh, in school. Most of you know my background, that I got into drugs and things like that. I did all sorts of things. The reason I got into drugs was because they accepted me. I wanted to be accepted so badly that I'd put something in my body. I actually, some of you might not know this, I, uh, uh, for a while in high school, I was on the rodeo team. And now this is, this is the, the, of all the things you can do in rodeo, um, I decided to ride bulls. Now, I'm not a, a good bull rider. I don't have a body for a good bull rider. Bull riders are short and stocky. 
so they can stay as close to that thing as possible. There aren't a lot of tall, lanky bull riders still alive. But I did it because I wanted to be accepted. I did something so foolish. I did all sorts of foolish things as an adolescent because I wanted to be accepted. Why? Because that's our greatest need. Now, remember, the word devotion means to be committed. We talked about that last week. The word devotion means to be committed. If you, if you have the fear of rejection, you are totally and completely committed to being accepted. And it'll run your life. Now, here's the bad news. I'm going to give you the bad news and the good news. Here's the bad news. The bad news is, remember how Adam and Eve were deceived by Satan? Satan told them, if you do this, you'll get something. But remember what he told them they would get? He said, you'll be like God. And were they already like God? So here's how Satan deceives us. If you do this, you'll get something that you already have. Okay, so what are we talking about here? We're talking about how people want acceptance. Okay, the bad news is the devil deceives us by telling us if you do something, you'll get something. But actually, it's something you already have. Here's the good news. In Christ, you already have acceptance. You don't have to try to be accepted anymore. In Christ, you have already been accepted. Ephesians 1.6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. I am completely, totally accepted. Therefore, I never have to fear rejection again. Therefore, I can be totally and completely committed and devoted to God. Alright, that's the first one. Here's the second fear. The fear of failure. The fear of failure. Exactly what Adam and Eve again experienced in the garden. Immediately they feared that they had failed God, so they hid from God. If you fear failure, you will be devoted to success. Everything you do in your life will be to be successful. You'll try to be a perfectionist, and everything you do, you'll have to do it right. Uh, Many of us, many of us here are people of excellence, but excellence can go into perfectionism. Why? Because we have to be successful at everything that we do. Why? Because we have a basic fear of failure that came into the world. And if you're devoted to that fear, you're not devoted to God. People look at uh, success different ways. Money, power, prestige, position. But they do everything they can to become successful. Now, let me give you another word for the word devotion. We talked last week about the word committed. Let me give you another word. The word is worship. In other words, whatever you're devoted to is what you worship. Now, let me tell you what worship means. Worship comes from two words, worth and ship. Worth and ship. The only problem is that we don't know what ship means. We we only have one concept of a ship, and that is a, a boat, a big boat, right? That's a ship. Well, that's one meaning of the word ship, but it's really not the meaning of the suffix ship. The meaning of the suffix ship, when it's added to a word, is the state of. For instance, think about relationship. See, that doesn't mean being in a boat with someone (laughs) or fellowship. That's the way I've heard some guy say it means two guys in a ship. It doesn't. He just didn't know what he was talking about. (laughs) Relationship, lordship, means the state of the Lord. Kinship, the state of being in kin. Relationship, the state of discipleship, the state of a disciple. So worthship is the state of worth. The state of worth. That's what it means. So here's what the word worship means. It means that I have finally found something in my life that is worth devoting my life to. 
That's what worship means. It means that I finally found something that is the whole and the complete state of worth. And it is worth me giving everything I can to. Now, the reason I told you that is because I want you to understand that if you are devoted, if you allow fear to stay in your life, you will be completely, completely devoted. You will be worshiping, literally worshiping success. Everything that you do in your life is an act of worship. And it's an act of worship. If you fear failure, you, put, you place value on success and you try to worship success. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? By the way, let me tell you another way the fear of failure manifests in some people. Some people have a drive for success because they have a fear of failure. Here's what other people do that have a fear of failure. They don't want to try at all. I don't even want to try. I've already failed. I've already tried and I've already failed, so I'm not even going to try. There are many of you that are not doing anything for the kingdom of God because you don't want to fail. You don't want to step up and do it. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't be in bondage to a fear of failure. Now remember, here's the other thing. Satan tells you, gives us a lie, and says you got this fear, you got this tendency toward failure, you better not do anything. But in Christ, we already have everything. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. See, in Jesus, we already have success. In Jesus, we already have acceptance. In Christ, we have this. We don't need to have the fear of failure. Here's the third fear, the fear of death. I actually thought that I would spend most of the message tonight talking about the first two fears because when I looked at the three major fears, I thought, well, that's the two that I relate to the most. I relate to the fear of rejection. I grew up with that. I've struggled with it my whole life. I relate to the fear of failure. I relate to that. I saw the fear of death, and I thought, I don't relate to that. I just don't really relate to that. Most of you know because I've done so many Stupid things like riding bulls. Apparently, I didn't have a fear of death, you know. So, I don't know how I'm going to relate to that. Here's what I found out, though, as I began to study it. This is probably the major one that drives us more than any of the other ones. It is amazing. And it is the fear that Adam and Eve had. Think about this. God said, you eat from this tree, you're going to die. They ate from the tree. God came walking. They went running. Right? They immediately had the fear of death come in. Now, let me explain something to you. And I'm going to tell you what the fear of death is, and you'll see how it can operate in your own life. The closer you are to God, the less you fear death. The closer you are to God, the less you fear death. Let me say it another way. You can always tell how close you are to God by how much peace you have. And you can always tell how far you are from God by how much fear you have. You can always tell how close you are to God by how much peace you have in your life. And you can always tell how far you are from God by how much fear you have. Philippians 1 verse 21. Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain. It's better. If I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. This is about five years before he died, by the way. For I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Far better. Why? Because he's gotten closer and closer to God. He's gotten so close to God that finally he says, you know, I just can't tell. I, I need to stay for you, but I really don't want to stay. That's what he's saying. No fear of death at all. Now, in each of these fears, 
we saw that the driving force was the opposite. In other words, if you fear rejection, you're devoted to acceptance. If you fear failure, you're devoted to success. And when I was preparing this message, I thought, this isn't working out the way I thought. Because think about it, what's the opposite of death? Life. Well, what's wrong with being devoted to life? What's wrong with being committed to life? Well, let me tell you what's wrong with it. There are two types of life. There's a temporal life and an eternal life. In the garden, there were two trees. There was a temporal life and an eternal life tree. There was a tree that represented eternal life, and there was a tree that represented death, represented the temporal life, right? Don't eat from that one. That's the tree of death. Eat from this one. This is the tree of life. Here's what I want you to know. If you have the fear of death, you will be committed to life, but you'll be committed to the wrong life. You'll be committed to the temporal life. You'll be committed to everything that is temporal instead of everything that is eternal. And everything that is temporal on this earth will mean too much to you because you have a fear of death. And you're committed to the temporal life. Today, we still have two choices. Right now, you have the choice as to whether to be looking at eternal life or looking at this temporal life. Every day when you get up, you have the choice. Am I going to be focused today on eternity or am I going to be focused on the temporal today? Am I going to be focused on what's going to burn up and it's going to pass away? Or am I going to be focused on what's going to remain forever? And in this fear, if we allow this fear to stay in our life, again, let me emphasize, if you allow fear to stay in your life, fear, whatever you fear the most, is what you're devoted to. And and again, we all love God. We all desire to be simply devoted to Jesus. And I'm going to begin over the next few words to also use the word fully. Because to be simply devoted is to be fully devoted to Jesus. It's the only way it works. It's the only way it works. It doesn't work any other way. So if you desire to be fully devoted to Jesus, that's wonderful. I'm just telling you, if you have fear in your life, fear is the thief that robs us of this. Now, I told you a moment ago, I think all fears relate back to these three fears. Let me just give you a few examples on the fear of death. We have all these phobias out. Have you, have you heard all the... You know, I mean, we got all these things and they end with phobia. Phobia, which means, you know, fear. Someone will say this, I fear snakes. You don't fear snakes. You fear being bitten by a snake and dying. Or someone will say, I fear storms. You don't fear storms. You fear something falling on you in a storm and dying. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, I fear heights. You don't fear heights. You fear splattering. Nothing wrong if you're up high as long as you stay up there. See, the, all these things relate back to the fear of death. And fear of death will control your life. Here's, here's something amazing, too. Satan has told a lot of people, he gets them so focused on the temporal, and he tell, gets them focused on physical death. You're going to die young. You're going you're to die young. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but you ever heard that? Cancer's in your family. Heart disease is in your family. You're, you're accident prone. He used to tell me that in a lot. <laughs> you're accident prone. You're going to die young. You've, you've already been spared about five times from death, you know. You're going, you're going to die in an accident one day. But here's the point. He's still trying to get you focused on the wrong life. He's trying to get you focused on the temporal. And don't get focused on the temporal. Here, you know what Jesus said? Now, this is amazing. Jesus said, He who believes in me 
will never die. Do you believe that? Well, well how can we do that? How, how can he explain that? Do you remember when God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat this tree, you'll die? I have a question for you. Did they die? Not immediately, not physically. But did they die spiritually? Yeah, they died spiritually, immediately. And physical death began to work in them. See, there's two types of life and there's two types of death. There's a temporal life and an eternal life. There's a temporal death and an eternal death. Jesus said, he who believes in me will never die. He's not going to die eternally. And for the believer, you don't die. Did you know that? For the believer, the believer doesn't die. He only relocates. That's it. Believers don't die. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, if you believe in Jesus, you will not see, taste, or experience death. You'll not see it, not taste it, or experience. Because He's already done it. You'll just move. You'll just move one day. Let me show you some scripture here. There's two types of life, two types of death. The Bible calls eternal death the second death. Let me show you these scriptures. Revelation 2.11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death, by eternal death. Now, remember, two weeks ago I told you, when it says he who overcomes, how do you overcome? You put your faith in the one who's overcome. It's not by your works. It's by His grace. Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. I'll tell you in a minute what the first resurrection is. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. The first resurrection is getting saved. Do you know that? Do you know how you get saved? You die. That's how you get saved. Do you know why the second death? Do you know why I'm never going to die? Because I've already died. Listen to me, I've already died. I died in a motel room called Jake's Motel, room 12, 25 years ago. And now, eternal life, my spirit has been made alive, and now I'm living with Christ. Revelation 20, verse 14. Then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And everyone not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. See, I'm not going to be cast in the lake of fire. I'm not going to experience eternal death because I've already I've already died. I died to self. Here's the first resurrection. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but it's Christ who lives through me. Uh, I've been buried with Him through baptism, raised to walk a new life in Him. Are, y- are y'all following me? Now, let me just tell you how I got this revelation. Because um, it's kind of humorous how I got it. I got saved and started preaching pretty quickly. And you should never do that, by the way. And um, I was asked to preach a funeral, and I'd only been saved about a year. I didn't know anything about preaching funerals. I didn't know where to stand. I didn't know what to say. The funeral director had to teach me everything. Um, I didn't know that you're supposed to stand at the head of the casket. You know, I stood at the foot. He moved me down, you know. I didn't know, by the way, this is to let you all know some funeral etiquette so you'll know. When the pastor is standing at the head of the casket, he's supposed to keep his hands behind his back. Do you know that? Because you're not supposed to shake my hand. And when people come by, if they come by, if they try to shake my hand, I'm just supposed to do like this. Because the focus is not on me, it's on the person who's left. So anyway, see, see, now you know if you ever had to preach a funeral, don't shake people's hands if you're the preacher. So, if you're, when you're standing at the head of the casket. So, anyway, I learned, this funeral director taught me all this thing. I said, now how do I get to the cemetery? He said, you ride with me. 
So I got in the hearse with the funeral director and the casket, you know, and on the way to the graveyard to do the graveside, I got this revelation about I've already died. I'm not going to die. Jesus said, I'm not going to die. I've already, I already died. I died a year ago in a motel room. I'm not going to die. I'm never going to die. And I've only been saved a year, so I got real excited about this, you know, revelation. And so when I got there, he said, now you wait until I nod to you. When I nod to you, then you start. Do you wait till I nod to you, though? Okay. So I, I got there, and I was waiting, standing ready to do the graveside, waiting for the nod, and I got more and more excited. So it didn't come out quite like I wanted to. Now let me explain something else to you. At the memorial service, people will look at you. At the graveside, they don't look. They glance. At the graveside service, unless they're really good believers, by the way. Believers can look at death. Unbelievers can't look at death. If you want to know, see, let me give you another secret about preaching. I can tell who unbelievers are at funerals. <laughs> it's real easy. It's the ones that have fear. Are y'all, are y'all following me? I'm trying to teach y'all to preach funerals, and you don't even seem interested. <laughs> Just, just look at the ones who are smiling. Those are the believers. Look at the ones. I mean, obviously there's mourning too. I understand that. But you can see peace. Do you understand? Believers are the only people in the world who can mourn and rejoice at the same time. Is that true? So all these people, most of these people, they're all looking down. Okay? They're looking like this. And then the mortician, you know, he gives me the thing to start. Well, I started and I, I, uh, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't start that well. This is what I said. I said, God was talking to me in the hearse on the way over here. <laughs> well, they didn't look yet, but they, they did like this. They went. <laughs> and then I continued. I said, you can't kill me because I'm already dead. <laughs> then they looked. So the first time I shared the revelation, I didn't share it that well. I understand that. But I got the revelation. Listen to me. I don't have to fear death because I already died. If you fear death, go ahead and get it over with. If you fear death, go ahead and get it over with. Go ahead and die to self. Go ahead and die to flesh. And then you never have to die. Now, here's what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, what's going to happen when you do, you know, die, Robert? Well, here's what's going to happen. I'll explain to you. It's real easy. Here's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come to me one day, and this is what he's going to do. He's going to say to me, Robert, we've been living in your house for some time now. Let you and I go live in my house. And when he says that, he and I, and when he says that, he and I are going to leave And then this body is going to fall down and you're going to gather around and say, oh, what a shame, Robert died. But you're too late. (laughs) I died 25 years ago. I've already died. There's no reason for me to fear death. There's no reason for me to fear rejection because I've already been accepted. There's no reason for me to fear failure because I've already triumphed in Jesus. And there's no reason for me to fear death. Because I'm completely alive. But if you allow these fears to stay in your life, whatever you fear the most, is what you'll be devoted to the most. And you will devote your life to overcoming that fear. But the way that you get around it is you give your life to Christ. And some of you say, well, Robert, I I died too, but I still deal with these fears. Okay, do what Paul did. Paul said, I die daily. Every morning I get up, I die. 
And if you'll get up tomorrow morning and you'll die to self and you'll die to flesh, you won't have to try to succeed. You won't have to try to be accepted. You won't have to try to live this temporary life. You can be fully and completely devoted to Jesus. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? I want you to think for a moment about these three fears. Have you, have, a, have you had a difficulty with these three fears? Have you ever had a difficulty with the fear of rejection? You ever had a difficulty with the fear of failure? Is there something in your life right now that you're afraid to step out and do because you afraid you're, you're afraid you're going to fail? Or are you being just totally and completely driven by success in your life instead of obedience to Jesus? Is there a fear of death? Is there a lie that Satan has told you that you believe that lie? Here's what I'm asking you to do tonight, today, today. This is what I'm asking you to do. Go ahead and die. Go ahead and die. Even if you're a believer, die to self, die to the flesh, die to being a success. Die to being accepted. Die to this temporary life and live for Christ. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we're going to stand and we're going to have leaders here at the front. And we want to pray for you. There are those of you here that probably at a funeral, you don't have peace. Because you don't know when you die if you'll go to heaven or not. We want to pray for you. We want to help you find the Lord. Here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to make up your mind right now. If you're here today and you don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. We want to pray for you. When we stand, I want you just to stand up and step out and come. Just stand up and step out and come. And we're going to have leaders here at the front. We're going to pray for you. If you're a believer and you're going through a difficult situation and you need prayer for any reason, for your health, for any reason at all, we want to pray for you. We want to minister to you. So if you need prayer, step out and come. I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we'll stand. And when we stand, you step out and come. And let us pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll give every person courage who needs to come for any reason at all for prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen.